Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Well, good morning. My name is Liz, and I'm one of the lead pastors here at Life, and I do love the Olympics. <laughs> I love the Olympics so much. I love the tenacity and the grit. Um, I'm just that kind of person, you know? I love to challenge myself and do hard things. Right now I'm training for the Chicago Marathon, and I love just the inspiration of working so hard for the glory of something like the Olympics. Um, but since he brought it up, I will tell you, one reason why it was like solidified for me was, uh, you guys remember the Atlanta Olympics, right? 1996, I think, right? So I ha we had a house fire, um, and we had a dryer fire. We had to live in a hotel for a few weeks. And while we lived in the hotel, it was during the Olympics. And so all I did all day long was watch the Olympics as a little kid. And uh, the 1996 Olympics were good Olympics. And so I just became hooked. It was like that, that crisis moment and a blessing moment at the same time. Um, so that was my first experience, and I watch them diligently every year. So, and my kids are learning to like it. They're kind of confused why there's so many commercials, because all they watch is Netflix, and they're not used to commercials. And so they're so annoyed by the commercials, and I'm like, oh, you guys don't know real life. You just don't know. Oh, anyways. Um, so another thing about childhood is, do you guys realize uh, one of the hardest things about learning the ABC song as a kid? Think back. What's one of the hardest things about learning the ABC song? I'll tell you. It's realizing that LMNOP is not a word, but a series of five letters, okay? My almost five-year-old <laughs> going into kindergarten, um, I think she recently asked me, Mom, what letter is LMNOP? And I was like, oh, sweetie, you know, it's actually five letters, L and then M and then N. And th that was confusing for her, and it still is. Um, I've heard that adults sometimes admit later on in life that they've, they grew up thinking that there were two kinds of P's, right? The regular P and then the LMNOP, of course, you know? Um, Maybe you remember having a song like that uh, growing up, or you know, sometimes it's even like classic songs, right? Our favorite artists. And we think that they have a certain lyric that we are certain of, and then only to realize much later on that we were definitely wrong. Or maybe you've argued with friends about um, what those lyrics actually mean, right? So in elementary school, after saying the Pledge of Allegiance, we would always sing this little song, My Country Tis of Thee. I don't know if any of you guys sung it, but that's what we did every single day after the pledge. And the first two lines went like this. My country tis of thee, sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. And in my seven-year-old brain, I confused the words I sing with icing, like on a cake, right? So I would sing that song and picture America so beautiful, filled with clouds of white icing, and just think, that's so lovely, you know? It sounds delicious. 
and then at some point uh, realized that that wasn't the true words and kind of felt foolish for how long I maybe thought that in my brain that America was filled with icing and not singing of itself, you know, which is a more normal thing in a song um, that you would sing after the pledge. So, you know, this is actually, I came to learn, um, uh, it's, it's a phenomenon called, uh, let's see where it is, a mondegreen. A mondegreen. So that's a normal thing that we, we mishear lyrics or poetic things and we make them up in our head as one thing until we realize that, that we are actually entirely incorrect. Um, because we spend about 45% of our communication every day listening, you know? So we're spending a lot of time taking in uh, noise and talking and sounds, all those things. So about half of our day is spent each day listening. Yet, studies show that we can often be poor listeners, right? And that's because listening, not only just do we do it naturally, but it's also a skill that takes some developing, that takes some practice, that takes some refinement. And when we do that, when we use the skill of listening well, it can be a great gift of love to another person. <clears throat> and listening is our second word in this series that we are talking about blessing and loving our neighbors. So it started with, we're doing the acronym BLESS. It started with, begin with prayer. So we're praying for potentially those three people um, that God has put on our heart, our neighbors or coworkers, whoever they are. And we're praying for them and we're asking God's best for them and God, how can I have a relationship with this person or how can you know, whatever it is, wherever you are in that relationship with that person, you're praying for them. But today, we're talking all about listening. And we are on this, like, life mission, this whole life mission um, to love our neighbors, to love our community, and those around us. And that mission has been given to us by Jesus through the... Um, his greatest command, which he takes and he summarizes the entire Old Testament, and he says, it's like this, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love those that are in proximity to you as yourself. That's the mission that he has called us to. And how do we love our neighbor? How do we love those people that are near us in our lives. We can listen. We can listen well. It's a gift of love. <clears throat> and so we're designed to, to, to bless other people. And this design was originated by God himself. It was one of his strategies that he used with the Israelites from the very beginning of Scripture in Genesis. And that's the first book of the Bible. He calls Abraham to this mission of being a blessing. Dan touched on this last week. And although I was watching from home, I, I loved it so much. He tells Abraham, I will bless you. 
and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And not only that, but all people on earth will be blessed through you. God gave this blessing mission from the very beginning of time. And then he goes on and connects us to this mission in the New Testament, right? He says, this same blessing identity that I gave Abraham, I now give to you through faith. And we touched on that in Galatians, in our Galatians series, 3.9 says, so all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of faith. So we inherit this same blessing. We inherit God's blessing on our life, and then we in turn are a blessing to the world around us. Verse 14 in, in Galatians says, Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. The blessing is that we get to become God's children through Jesus. We get to enter into the God family through Jesus. All, that all spiritual blessing has been poured out on us. And not only that, but we get the promised Holy Spirit. We get the source of God right inside of us. And that source overflows as a blessing to others. And that's what this series is all about, this mission of loving and blessing other people around us in our sphere, whoever God is highlighting to you, calling you to. And um, there was a card last week that we had where Dan challenged us to write three names down and um, to do it kind of quickly, you know, whoever, whoever comes to your mind uh, soon is probably who God is as calling you to bless. So we can bless these people by listening. And it can be a challenge to listen well. We're in a highly distracted, divided culture. Um, and listening is also a, like a concentration skill. We, we have to like, oh yeah, hone in here, here our minds and listen well. Um, I, I did some research this week, and the University of Missouri says that we can struggle with listening simply because we think faster than we speak, than, than someone else can speak. So most people speak at the rate of about 125 words per minute, but we can actually process at about 400 words per minute. So we have the mental capacity to listen much faster than the normal person talks, right? That's why, like, we can understand podcasts or audiobooks if you speed them up. Anybody is speeder-upper on their audiobook podcasts, right? I apologize that you can't currently speed me up in this present moment. Um, but that's why that works, and I'm, I'm a big proponent of speeding things up. Um, but the difference between our speaking speed and our thought speed means that when we're listening, when we're engaged in listening, we're only using about 25% of our brain. So 75% of our brain has the capability of doing something else. 
Who's thinking about what they might have for lunch, right? Okay, guilty. <laughs> um, I thought this was fascinating to kind of understand, and it sheds light on why we can be so preoccupied while we're listening to someone, right? Our mind can be so many other places um, other than engaged in listening. And we can think about what we want for lunch. We can be thinking about uh, what we want to say next. You know, a lot of times we're formulating, oh, how can I sound good in this moment? Or what smart thing can I say back, right? Or maybe you're um, just totally off thinking about some other problem going on in your life, right? And your uh, mental space is just kind of preoccupied with other things. Um, but I also think that this is an encouraging uh, thing to learn about because, you know, in, in, when we train people to pray for other people, uh, we train people to say, you know, engage in what the person is saying. When someone comes up for prayer, listen to what they're asking for prayer for. But at the same time, tune in to what God might be saying. And listen, like, okay, what is, what is God saying in this situation? And what does God want to say to bless this person and encourage this person? And what's amazing is that we have the capacity to do both. We have the capacity to fully listen to somebody and fully listen to the Holy Spirit and God. We actually have more capacity to listen to what God is saying in any given moment. And I think this isn't just like, prayer training skills. This is like life training skills, right? At any given moment that you're engaged listening to somebody, you have a capacity to also tune in to the Holy Spirit, to also tune in to what God is doing in that moment, right? And we can, we can listen to someone share their heart and their thoughts but we can also say, God, give me wisdom in this moment. God, help me to empathize. Help me to ask a, a good question in this moment, to respond with compassion or offer encouragement and support and love. And how much do we really like tune into those two factors when we're listening? Or we're just kind of like, let our mind do what it does in its wild, wild ways, you know? <clears throat> and when people don't, feel heard, you feel that, right? If you're on the receiving end of that and you are uh, being listened to, you can tell when somebody is not fully listening to you. And now I'm sorry that I gave you guys this statistic to um, confront your spouse or your partner and say, now I know there's 75% of you that's not listening to me right now. We'll have a conversation later. Just kidding. <laughs> but... Um, when people don't feel listened to, they feel unheard, right? And if that continues, when people feel unheard, they feel unknown. Um, Dave and John Ferguson, the people who wrote this book, um, they, they have this quote, when people in our lives feel unheard and unknown, it ultimately leaves them feeling unloved. When they're unheard, and unknown, that translates into feeling unloved. And if we want to love our neighbors and bless people that God has put into our lives, we have to be intentional about 
listening well. So we're going to look quickly here at how Jesus listened well um, from Mark 10, 46 through 52. This is a story that's actually in all three of the Gospels. Um, We're going to look at it from Mark. It says, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of them yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. And so they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said, come on, he's calling you. And Barmatus threw aside his coat. He jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see. And he followed Jesus down the road. I think this is a really compelling story of Jesus. You know, Jesus is passing through Jericho, it says, because he's actually on his way somewhere else. How often are we on our way somewhere else in life, right? And we're interrupted. Jesus is going to Jerusalem because he has been predicting his death. The time of his death is coming near. And in Jerusalem is where the culmination of this mission is going to take place. Place. And so he and his disciples are traveling on this road by foot to Jerusalem. And as he's passing through Jericho and then going on the road out of Jericho, this crowd develops and starts following him. And also along this traveling road are blind and lame and those who cannot work and function in the regular society. And they're sitting along the side of the road begging for money because that's how they supported themselves. And this particular blind man, Bartimaeus, um, was probably hearing, you know, hearing the commotion happening on this road. All of a sudden, like, the road is filling up, there's shuffling of feet, There's all these people, maybe they're like getting too close to him, maybe he's even getting stepped on. All of a sudden, um, it's getting crowded. This isn't just like a normal Thursday afternoon commute, you know, where the normal amount of people walking down this road is happening. There's, There's something going on that he's alerted to. Now, he can't see with his eyes, oh, Jesus is down there. But he's heard of this Jesus, he's heard of him, And he's probably having to tune in really closely to the the passing conversation in the crowd by all these people. And he puts it together that Jesus is coming down this road. The crowd has gathered because Jesus is going to be coming by. Um, And, 
he begins to yell. He can't contain himself. He, he, he figures out that Jesus is coming and he just starts yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Like how disrupting would that have been to the other people, you know? They're, they're kind of in the crowd. They're the important people. They're like, Jesus, come on, you know, we're going to Jerusalem. We have things to do. And this blind beggar is yelling. And he's yelling a messianic title, which means that he is referencing the fact that there's a promise in Scripture that says, from the line of David, a Savior is going to come to save and free the people. And so he is rightly recognizing Jesus with his words. <clears throat> and what's interesting is that the people with him, you know, the disciples, we don't like to be interrupted. They're, they're trying to get to Jerusalem, to keep traveling. And Jesus stops. He hears blind Bartimaeus, and he stops. Everyone's kind of annoyed and frustrated by this because they don't understand always what Jesus' kingdom is all about. They're ready to get to Jerusalem to set up God's kingdom. And Jesus stops and, no, this is what my kingdom is about right now. So he stops to let the blind man come to him, to hear his voice, to come to him, to find him. And Jesus doesn't just give him a handout, give him money, which is what he was calling out, you know, the reason he was by the side of the road. He stops and he listens and he asks, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man doesn't just respond and say, can I have some money? Can I have the thing that I am here for? You know, he takes this opportunity with the, save, the promised Savior to ask for what he really, really needs. You know, he has the felt need of money um, to survive, but he has this deeper, truer need in his heart that he recognizes, and he asks to see again. And it's amazing. Jesus doesn't just walk by him and go over to him and assume he knows what he needs and give him money or say, oh, you know, it's, it's me that you need. Do you want to ask me into your life right now? He doesn't just force himself on the blind Bartimaeus. He listens. He takes the time to listen to what's in his heart. And he gives ownership to us to say what we really need. He gives us the opportunity to own our own agency as people and say, yeah, this is what I really need. And I find, I find that such so beautiful. And then once he hears the man's true need, he heals him. Physically, spiritually, he makes him whole again. I mean, it's, it would be such a, uh, an amazing encounter to hear Jesus speak to you so compassionately, so tenderly, so personally, when he's the king. He's got things he's got to do. But he's so interruptible. He's so patient. He's not controlling. He stops and he invites this man and he compassionately listens and asks him to give his assessment of his need. 
He gives us the freedom to talk about our own hearts and lives, what's really going on. And then he blesses him with the healing that he needs. And I think for us to live like Jesus is always a challenge, right? But we can be so busy building our lives and taking care of our schedules and our responsibilities that we can often miss those everyday ways that we are just within arm's reach of another person um, that, that needs listening to, that we can stop and listen to and hear what's really going on in someone's life, what's really going on in their heart. And we can miss opportunities to bless because we don't take that time to listen. And everyone has a story of what's going on right now in their life. One of the most practical ways we can tune in is to listen. And like Jesus, we don't have to assume we know what they need or, you know, just take over. We can just simply listen. What's their dreams? What's their fears? What's their hopes? What's their pain like? What's their life like? And as we listen to those things and their stories, then we discover what they really need. <clears throat> and what holds us back from, from having these kind of listening skills and from going deeper in relationship with people around us? Lots of things, you know, time, busyness, um, just keeping to ourselves that comfortability of like, well, I just like my schedule and my life and the way that it is and no interruptions. Is it the fear of talking to someone deeper like that? Awkwardness? I mean, all those are barriers, right? We like to do what we like to do in the time that we like to do it in. And Jesus shows us another way that the kingdom is always at hand, it's always happening, and it's, it's, it's going to interrupt you, and it's going to be inconvenient, and it's going to be uncomfortable, and it's going to be risky. It's going to be all those things. So let's not let those things be a barrier to us being a blessing. We can move past those things. We can take one step at a time to notice like, oh, this is a kingdom interruption moment. Let's take it. God, where do you want to go in this moment with this person? One of my um, evangelism professors from Wheaton, uh, he's actually in this book. I didn't realize that at first, but he, he's super intentional about building relationships with people that um, might be unchurched or far from God, and he just lives his life like that. And so he talks, he tells a story in here that I am going to read. He says, My wife, Mary Kay, and I live in a high-rise condo building in the city, and half of the couples on our floor are gay. Since I tried to live out these blessed practices with the people around me, I began praying for the people on my floor. For me, that includes listening for God's promptings and nudges. And so I prayed for my neighbors, and I sensed the Holy Spirit nudging me to buy a bottle of wine for one couple down the hall and invite them over for appetizers. So I did just that. 
And let me say that I bought them a very good bottle of wine. I have found that if you don't buy the cheap stuff, it really builds trust. True. We had a great time that evening talking and sharing life with each other. It wasn't too long until they, until they invited us over to their place for a meal. And during that evening together, Mary Kay and I shared some of our marriage struggles, how we were working through them together, and some of our theories about what makes a relationship truly work. And not so surprisingly, as we shared, our new friends also shared about some struggles they were experiencing. <clears throat> not long after that, one of them approached us and asked if he could get some help with his relationship. I'll confess, I felt like I was in over my head. But I continued to pray and ask God for direction. As we listened to our friend's struggles, we decided to meet with him and see if we could offer some additional help. We prayed for him, shared from our experiences, and gave him a book that he read on a personal retreat. And it was truly amazing to see God begin to work in his life through these bless practices. And as we got to know the couple more, they began to bless us and help us by watching our condo while we were out of town. And when our friend returned from his retreat, we actually started discussing the parable of the prodigal son together. Now keep in mind, this did not happen overnight. It was at least 18 months from the time we first began to get to know each other until we started discussing the prodigal son. However, just a couple weeks ago, he told us that he wanted Jesus in his life. So he prayed, and in his own words, he said what he wanted to, he said he wanted to come back to the Father. And he grew up Catholic, so the notion of finding his way back to God the Father made a lot of sense to him. <clears throat> and he is taking steps to know Christ, and we started a Bible study together. And as I've been trying to live the bless uh, practices for several years, I've seen my dad come back to Christ, my friend next door come back to Christ, and others who are on a journey of finding their way back to God. It's been an amazing combination of long-term prayers and seeing God do some incredible work in the lives of people I love. I want us to have stories like that. Right? Where we're, we're journeying with people on their spiritual journey, finding their way back to God. And we bless people from our hearts. We start with prayer and we listen well. <clears throat> I want us to be known for our love and our compassion to the, to the world around us that we as a, a church body are so deeply rooted in Jesus. We love God. We love his presence. We welcome the Holy Spirit. And from that source, we are pouring out to the world around us. One step at a time, right? Just takes one moment to listen well. And as we do that, we can show others who Jesus really is and invite them into an authentic relationship with him. So my practical tips to close are, you know, if you haven't filled out this uh, little prayer blessing card, we have it on our Facebook page, um, fill that out. Think of the three people that God is inviting you to and pray for them. That's that first step. Just pray for them. Just see how God prompts you each day to pray. Um, mine are actually my physical neighbors. It doesn't have to be your physical neighbors. It could be coworkers, but 
choose people that are some, in some sphere of your life, right? <clears throat> and the second would be to ask some lis listening questions that take that step toward a deeper relationship. So maybe you know some surface knowledge about these people. Maybe you know more knowledge. But what's, what's going on in their life? Like, do you know all their family members? Do you know, have they um, had a major life change? Is, are they ex, you know, expecting one soon? Do you know what kind of work they do? Do you know what they're passionate about? There's lots of ways that we can go from surface level to a little bit better knowledge of someone to a little bit more. And then there's sometimes where you, you know, maybe not firsthand, but you know something happened in their life, and there's an opportunity there to follow up with them because something did happen in their life. You know, one of my people is like that right now. Um, do you know their faith background? Do you know more about them? Take some time to ask some listening questions where you're practicing that this week. All right, you guys can stand, and um, I will just pray for us as we enter into worship. Jesus, thank you uh, just for your, your, your example of blessing. You pour out blessings because you are the perfect Father in heaven, and you love us so much and so well that that's, that's your heart. Your heart is to bless us as your people. We don't have to do anything this morning, but just show up in your presence and you bless us. So God, let us receive your blessing first and foremost. Let it sink deep into our hearts as we worship you this morning. And then prompt us and help us to listen well to you and to those around us so we can as well be a blessing. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to this time of worship. We love you, Jesus. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.